Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Well, good morning. It's great to see all of you. Uh, It's very exciting to be able to be here and to uh, hear from the Word of God. My name is Pastor Brad. I'm the worship arts pastor here at New Life, and I have the great privilege of participating in this awesome series that we kicked off last week called Living in the Spirit. And uh, before we get started, I just want to say a special thank you to Justin uh, for leading worship this morning. Sam, my wife, was supposed to be leading this morning, but our daughter got sick last night, and so uh, she stayed up with her and allowed me to sleep, which was an awesome thing. But uh, she said to me late last night, I don't think I'm going to make it tomorrow. I said, okay, honey, no problem. So I called Justin, and and Justin uh, graciously uh, led worship. So thank him on the way out, if you would, today. Just tell him thank you. We can thank him right now. I really appreciate him and our, our whole team. It's just been a really great thing to be with them. But uh, this series has just, it's been a powerful series already, even with the kickoff of last week and, and this week being the second week, and then we've got a, a few more weeks after this. But this series is kind of unique in that this is the third time we've done this series. And here at New Life, we uh, don't typically repeat series that often, but we have felt like this series is something that that the Lord wants us to, to share together. In fact, it's a conviction with us that we want to encourage Christians and believers to live in the Spirit. Because when we don't live in the Spirit, we don't experience what God, all that God has for us. And so this, this series is intended to teach us how to enjoy and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And last week, Chris did an awesome job of kicking us off and showing us how Jesus actually promised that he would send the Holy Spirit when he would leave from this earth. And Chris looked at Luke chapter 24, specifically in verse 49 begins, and and he's telling his disciples Jesus had already gone uh, to the cross, and he was crucified, and then he was buried, and then raised back to life again, and he was having a meal with his disciples when he promised them the Holy Spirit. And he said, listen, it's going to be a good thing for me to go. And the disciples had already heard him say that earlier, even before he was crucified. And Jesus was proclaiming again that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. So it was the promise that he stated to his disciples. And today, we're going to actually look at another passage in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, where Jesus actually restated that same promise. And what we're going to do is we're going to see why that's significant And then we're going to to see how God expects us to go as followers of Jesus and live in this world filled with his spirit. So what we're going to discover today is this, that spirit-filled people wait, receive power, and then go. That's our take-home point for today. That's the one thing we want to walk away with is that spirit-filled people wait, receive power, and then go. Now, the interesting thing is, and, and Pastor Chris actually shared this at the end of last week's service here at, at uh, 845, but maybe you weren't here. So I want to just give you kind of an image of, of what the Holy Spirit does in our life. It would be like if, if uh, when we come to Jesus, okay, 
we're, we're like an old car, okay? And I, I know this because I just got rid of an old car, okay? It was, a, it was a, a Ford. It was not working well. Everything was broken in it, and it was really annoying because I couldn't fix anything, you know, because everything's electronic these days. And so it was going to cost a lot of money to fix, and it didn't fit all of our kids now that we have three kids. And so we had to make a decision. What are we, we going to do? And so we went to a, a car dealership, and we looked at some minivans, which we, you know, claimed we would never do, uh, but we succumbed. <laughs> succumbed to it. And we bought a new minivan and it's awesome because it has air conditioning. Uh, and, so, and so it's been a really great thing here this summer because we've had a few hot days. But that car, it's, it's really nice. It's an awesome blessing of God for us. Um, but it looks nice. It feels nice inside. Everything is good. We, we got it. It's filled up with gas. But imagine if, if that represents our lives. When we come to know Jesus, we, our life is all screwed up and messed up. But Scripture tells us that when we are in Christ, we are new creations. That means like that old car, we, we trade that in for a new life. And it's Jesus' life that he freely gives to us. So it's like a, having a new car. But in this, in this analogy, there's, there's something missing. We can't go anywhere with that car unless we have the what? The key, right? We have to start the car with the key, and we actually have to have fuel in it in order for the car to work. And that's what it's like having the Holy Spirit in our lives as followers of Jesus, is he's the key that unlocks the power in our life as witnesses of the gospel. And that's what Jesus was pointing to when he shared this with his disciples in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. It says this, Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel, our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can experience real, deep, lasting relationship with you because you sent Jesus here for us. We thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit who teaches us and leads us into all truth. And today, God, my prayer is that you'll fill us all with with your spirit, that we'll learn why it's so important that Jesus promised and then restated his promise about the Holy Spirit. God, today, would you just stir in our hearts a new love for you, a new uh, passion, a new desire for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus made the, the promise in Luke 24, verse 49. He said this, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have received have been clothed with power from on high. And what the Father promised was the Holy Spirit. And Jesus made that explicit now in this restatement of the promise that he made in Luke chapter 24. He said, in one of these meetings, as he was eating a meal with them, he told them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you 
what he promised. And remember, I have told you about this before. Now, when we say in one of those meetings, what we mean is Jesus was actually meeting with his 11 disciples. Now, there weren't 12 anymore because Judas was gone. So there were 11 disciples and Jesus was meeting with them. And as he was meeting with them, he restated the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he explicitly said that. Now, here's the important thing about the the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. They were both written by the same guy, Luke. Now, Luke was a doctor, so he cared a lot about details. He investigated things. He was, he was a witness, literally, to the things that, that Jesus had done. Even though he hadn't seen them, he had heard about them, and specifically a lot from the Apostle Paul and then his own investigation of asking people so he could hear from the people who actually saw what Jesus did and saw his resurrection. He wrote it down. And the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts were actually meant to be read together. And so the fact that Luke put in Luke chapter 24 the statement that Jesus made about the promise that the Father would send, that is the Holy Spirit, and the fact that he said it again here in Acts chapter 1 is significant because when things are repeated in Scripture, it means that uh, it's important. And it's important for all of us to understand why Jesus made that statement. And I want to turn to something that Pastor Chris said last week in in, uh, Joel, which is a prophet in the Old Testament, Joel chapter 2 verse 28 through 29. In that verse, Joel says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. And he was very specific. And he said, I'll pour out my spirit on men and women and servants and masters, all people everywhere. So there was no delineation between sex. There was no delineation between a socioeconomic status. It's all people. It doesn't matter who you are, or where you are, the Spirit of God was going to be poured out on all people. Now, Joel was a Jewish prophet, so he was speaking specifically to the Jews when he made that statement. And so the Jews knew that, and they, they would have, the Jewish men in particular would have had memorized all of that and known what Joel said. And so as they were, as Jesus was making these statements, they understood because Jesus was speaking to his 11 disciples who were Jews, and he told them, okay, I want you to wait here in the city. And so they waited, they went up into what's known as the upper room, and then with those 11 disciples, about 120 other, or 120 people total, and they were all Jewish people. And Jesus said, go there and wait for the Holy Spirit who's going to come to you. And so they would have understood that because, you know, Joel talked about it. He was going to pour out his spirit. And so it made sense for them. But what about us? Because if it stopped with the Jews and God only pours out his spirit on the Jews, where does that leave us as believers of Jesus and followers of Jesus? Well, actually, thankful that Luke wrote the rest of Acts because in Acts chapter 10, he records an experience that the apostle Peter had with a guy named Cornelius and his family. And I want to share this experience with you because it explains how the Holy Spirit then interacts with us who are not Jewish. It says this in Acts 10 verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came, and that word in the Greek literally means fell, on all who heard the message The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So 
the Apostle Peter saw that these Gentiles, now Gentiles, all this, all this really means is, is this. Turn to your neighbor. If you're not Jewish right now, turn to your neighbor and say, you're a Gentile. Okay? You're a Gentile. That just means that you're not a Jew. Okay? You could have been Greek. You could have been Roman. You could have been from Africa. You could have been from anywhere on the world. As long as you weren't Jewish, you were labeled a Gentile. All right? And so the Gentiles uh, were people that, that the believers who had been just Jews up to this point and received the Spirit, they had never seen the Holy Spirit come to Gentiles before. So this was a new thing. And they sent Peter to go, Peter, go check this out. We want to make sure this is real. And so Peter comes up and he saw that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been given to these Gentiles. Now, Peter would have recognized this because Peter himself experienced it on what is known the day of Pentecost. When those 120 believers were up in the upper room, they were all praying together and the Holy Spirit fell. And in that moment, they all started speaking in different languages. And as they were speaking in different languages, there was a census going on in Jerusalem. And the people from all over the, the world, literally, who were Jewish, were in, this, in Jerusalem. And they all heard them speaking in their different dialects. And so they could understand the gospel as it was being proclaimed and being spoken. And so Peter was there in the crowd. He was part of the 11 disciples who were following Jesus. So Peter had experienced the tongues. He had experienced the falling of the Holy Spirit. So when he went to Cornelius's house, he could literally tell, hey, this is legit. This is real. I can tell because I experienced this myself. And so he says, can we stop them, these Gentiles, from being baptized with water? For their faith. Peter was still struggling with the fact that, that um, faith was going to come to the Gentiles. Paul later on would make that very clear to Peter. But Peter was still struggling with that, was still a new idea. So when God says all people, he means all. When, they, when he spoke through the prophet Joel and he said all people, men and women, doesn't matter where you are in the world, who you are in the world, all people can receive my spirit. What he meant was all people. So before we uh, move into the rest of the scripture from Acts chapter 1, we need to talk a little bit about what that means. What, what was the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And Pastor Chris is going to talk specifically about that next week, but I just want to mention it in kind of in preparatory uh, way for next week, but also for the rest of our time together. John, or, or Acts chapter 1 verse 5, Jesus said, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was pointing out that, and when he said John there, he meant John the Baptist. We call him John the Baptist because he was a baptizer and he baptized people in water. And he was, John the Baptist was known as the precursor, the one who prepared the way for Jesus to come to the earth. He, when he proclaimed here on the earth was be baptized for the remission of your sin, for repentance in your sin. And so Jesus is referring here to John. He says, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, something different is going to happen. Something that has never happened before. You are all going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You see, in the Old Testament, it says in a few places there, the Holy Spirit was with a person, but never had it come down on everybody before. So this was a new thing. And that's the kind of the cool thing about Jesus is the old life is gone. The new life has come. So this was a new Promise. So there are four kinds of baptisms that the New Testament mentions, and I want to just speak about those uh, very, very briefly, because there's that phrase "baptized with the Holy Spirit" has caused a lot of division in the church for ever since the church has been around, really. Uh, and and so we want to be very sensitive to that and be very clear about what we 
believe Scripture says about that. But first, we want to talk about the four kinds of baptism. First is the baptism of repentance. That is also known as John's baptism. That is that you would be baptized in water to repent of your sins and walk uh, in the ways of the king or in the ways of the law. Now, that baptism is no longer necessary. We don't need that baptism anymore because of the second baptism, which is the baptism into Jesus also known as being born again. That is when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we receive his righteousness in that moment. We receive, we are baptized in him. He surrounds us. We are, we are clothed in his righteousness. So now when God looks at us, he doesn't see us. He doesn't see sin. He doesn't judge us. He sees Jesus and he accepts us into his family. That's the baptism into Jesus. Then the third type of baptism, which Scripture mentions here in the New Testament, is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that is the baptism that Jesus spoke of right here in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, that John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized now, this third baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then the last kind of baptism is baptism in water. And that is to proclaim our faith to the world. It's a demonstration. There's nothing magical that happens when we go into the water and nothing magical that happens when we come out of the water. All it says is that, hey, listen, I was an old person. Uh, my old, the old life that, that I had was, is gone and the new life in Jesus has begun. So it's been buried. It's a significant uh, symbol of being buried and then raised back to life into a new life with Jesus. So that's what it means to be baptized with water. Now, Jesus told the disciples that in just a few days they would experience the third kind of baptism, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we have no doubt that that occurred. It was recorded here in the book of Acts, and it was very well documented um, that that actually happened. But the question is, what about now? Does it happen now? Does it happen for us here? Well, when we ask that question, we also have to ask another question. And the question is this, is the Bible true? Is the Bible true? The answer to that question, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've trusted him, maybe you've been kind of working through this, is the Bible true? I don't know yet. That's okay. You can keep asking. We believe that God's big enough. He'll, he'll lead you to the truth there. But we believe that Scripture is true. We believe that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and, and, and discipling and teaching us how to live for Jesus. So we believe the Bible is true. And then Pastor Chris asked this question last week, has the Holy Spirit ever stopped working? Now, this is a very debatable question in the church because some people are called cessationists, okay? Basically, that's just a big word for the Holy Spirit stopped working or ceased working when the Apostle John died. Uh, so the apostolic age was when the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit were very real and, and powerful. But Pastor Chris shared his experience last week that the Holy Spirit is very real. And I have had experiences, too, where I have seen people healed who otherwise would not have been healed. I have been part of services where I just know the Holy Spirit is moving in powerful ways inside of people's hearts. So I know that the Holy Spirit is real, too. So we believe that the Holy Spirit is still active and still working among his people. So the, the practical application of that, actually, Pastor Chris is going to speak of next week and in the, the uh, two weeks following that. And so I don't want to get into that right now, but that baptism of the Holy Spirit is real. Scripture makes it very clear that we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and God will do that if we ask him, just as he did it for Pastor Chris and has done it for many other people as well. So the application will come in the next few weeks, so I want to encourage you to be here for that. But 
what I want to focus on now is, is what happened when the disciples heard Jesus say this. Well, they didn't understand yet. They didn't understand that Jesus had come to give them a new life and give them power to go and tell everybody about him. You see, that's what we have to understand because a lot of times we think about baptism in the Holy Spirit. We think, wow, we're going to have this gift and this power and maybe lasers will come out of our fingers or something, you know. No, that's not, that's not the way the Holy Spirit works, okay? Jesus sent the Holy Spirit for a reason. In fact, in John chapter 15, he's very specific about that reason. And he tells us that the Holy Spirit has come to guide us into all truth. He is known as the comforter. He's going to lead us and direct us and give us power to live for Jesus and to be his witnesses everywhere. But his disciples didn't know that yet. In fact, look at this, what happened in verse six. When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, are you going to free Israel now and restore our kingdom? You see, when the disciples were thinking about a Messiah, the literal word from the Old Testament, they were thinking about somebody who was going to come in, wipe out all the other nations and make Israel the king of the world. Okay? That's what they were hoping would happen. But that's not God, that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was for all people. Remember, Joel? All people everywhere. And so the disciples still didn't understand that. And they were asking Jesus, and they'd been asking Jesus. And Jesus, I'm sure, probably shook his head a lot at his disciples. But in verse 7, he says, The Father sets those dates, he replied, and they are not for you to know. Jesus was not talking about political power. When he told the disciples they'd be baptized with the Holy Spirit, he was talking about spiritual power for the mission that they would undergo and undertake to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. Here's what he said in verse 8. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So here's what Jesus did. Jesus took their focus, and, and see, this happens to us all the time. We get so focused on something, we think it should work this way, and God is saying, no, it needs to work this way. And so what Jesus was doing for his disciples was he was taking their focus and refocusing them on the truth of God and what was actually going to happen. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit was meant for them to go and proclaim the message in Jerusalem, that's their local area. So for us, that would be Saxonburg. In Judea, that would be for us like Pennsylvania. Samaria would be like the United States and to the ends of the earth, which is to the ends of the earth for us. It means everywhere. You see, Jesus was showing his disciples, listen, you're going to receive power, but not the kind of power you think. It's going to be power to proclaim the message of peace. That is the message of Jesus and what he did here on the earth for all of us. And so his disciples started to understand that a little bit. But the thing that, that Jesus knew and the thing that he had told them actually earlier was it would, be better, it would be better for him if he actually left. He, he actually told them that in the Gospel of John. He said, listen, it's going to be better for you if I go. Because his disciples, they, you know, they were still thinking Jesus was going to reign here on the earth and be the king, but Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, but they didn't know that. They're just walking, you know, kind of gathering. They're walking along, and pretty soon Jesus is going to be gone, and they're going to be left again because they, they thought that Jesus, when he was crucified on the cross, that was the end. They thought that was the end until he showed up and changed their lives all over again. 
And the same thing happens here as, he, as they're walking and Jesus is about to go and ascend into heaven so that he can send the Holy Spirit, so that they can be his witnesses everywhere that they go. Here's what Acts chapter 1, verse 5, as Luke records. But now I am going, to, going away to the one who sent me, and none of you have asked where I am going. Interesting. Instead, you are very sad, but it is actually best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the counselor won't come. And if I do go away, he will come, because I will send him to you. And when he comes... He will convince the world of its sin and God's righteousness and, and of the coming judgment. That's from the Gospel of John. I'm sorry. That's, that's where, where, where Jesus said it's going to be better for him to go, and this is why. The Holy Spirit, the Counselor, will come. He'll be able to convict the world of sin, so that will help the witness and show the righteousness of God. And then this is what's recorded in Luke uh, or Acts chapter 1, verse 9. It was not long after he had said this that he was taken up into the sky and while they were watching. And he disappeared into a cloud. As they were staring, straining their eyes to see him, two white-robed men suddenly stood there among them. They said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring at the sky? Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven. And someday, just as you saw him go, he will return. So the disciples thought that they lost it all again. <laughs> Jesus was just taken up. And I'm sure some of them, their hearts are burning. They're staring up at the sky and their eyes are burning as they're just looking into this bright light. And then Jesus is gone. And these two white robe men show up among them and say, hey guys, um, do you remember what Jesus said? Go back to the city and wait. And as you're waiting, you will receive power. And then once you receive power, you can go. You see, what Jesus knew about the disciples and knows about all of us is that it's a lot easier for us to lean on somebody we can see, touch, and feel, right? It's a and here, it's easier for us to lean on somebody instead of leaning solely on God through the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus knew that's why it would be good for him to go. Because, for instance, when I came into ministry, when I was doing my first ministry experience, which was at a, a church in Butler, actually, um, there was a guy there, his name was Dan, and he brought me in as, I was an intern, a youth intern, and I worked alongside Dan, but Dan kind of did everything, and I, it was super fun because I got to enjoy it. You know, he did all the work, and I got to just participate and enjoy, and I led the youth worship band, and it was a lot of, a good time. But Dan did all the work. He would do the teaching, he would do the preparations, he would take care of all the details for all the trips and all this stuff. And so I got to play music with kids and hang out with kids. It was a really great experience. But then, a couple of years that we were into that, Dan left. And they hired me as the interim youth pastor at the time, which is insane because I was a junior in college. Uh, but it, it worked, God did a great thing. But during that time, I lost my mentor. I lost the person I was leaning on for ministry. And all of a sudden, I felt like the Lord was showing me, hey, listen, <laughs> you're going to trust me or are you going to trust Dan? Because obviously Dan's gone, right? And that's what happens in our lives. People come and go. People who have been our spiritual mentors and spiritual um, leaders, they, they're going to come and they're going to go. They're going to influence us for a time and they're, they're going to pass. And the, the length of that time is all determined by the Lord but we have to learn how to lean into Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit and letting him lead us and guide us. That's why Jesus had to go. 
Because Jesus, think about this, Jesus could only be at one place on the earth at a time. Now, granted, he's God, so he could probably show up somewhere on the other side of the earth in like a split second, okay? You know, teleportation, whatever you want to call it, it would just be awesome. But he chose not to do that because if Jesus was here today, that means he wouldn't be down the, church, down the way at another church or down the, the road uh, at an accident where somebody is praying for him or he wouldn't be all over the place. But now the Holy Spirit has come and he is here with us now and he is down there uh, at, a, at a different church and down the road here where somebody else is praying. He is everywhere. So Jesus actually knew it was really good for him to go so that we could all experience that power. So the formula is wait, receive power, and then go. Wait, receive power, and then go. And see, some of us, we're, we're in different stages right now. Some of us are, are in the waiting stage. We're waiting for God to show us what it is for us to do. And some of us, maybe even for the first time, we're wondering about Jesus. And I just want to encourage you. Jesus came here and lived a life that none of us could live, died the death that we should have died, excruciating pain on the cross because of our sin, which set us at odds with God. Our sin makes us, as the Scripture says, enemies of God. But Jesus, who died on the cross, and, and by grace through faith, when we trust in him, we receive his life because he was resurrected three days after he was killed, overcoming sin and death forever. And he offers us his life now, and we can be adopted into his family. That's where it starts. And I hope that if you are on the edge today thinking about that, I hope that you'll trust Jesus for the first time. But if you have trusted Jesus, maybe you've been in this time of waiting, and, you know, God, I, I know there's something more for me. I know there's something deeper, something better for me, and, and I just, I need you. I want to encourage you this week, pray if you're in that time. Or maybe you're facing a decision that you know you have to make and you're just in this period of, of just, I don't know what to do, God. It's waiting. And what I love about the scripture is that it talks about waiting, actually, in a few places. And what it says is when we wait, we will receive strength. And what Jesus knew is when we wait and we receive power and then we go, we will, we will be effective in proclaiming his message because if we wait and then we go, but we don't receive power, we will not be as effective as we can be. So we have to wait, receive power, and go. And next week, Pastor Chris is going to talk a lot more about the receiving power part of that. So here's the commitment for today. I will wait, receive power, and go where Jesus sends me this week. You know, the Holy Spirit is... a. <laughs> Very interesting. A lot of people don't like to talk about him because they're afraid of him. But the Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus and God the Father are. And we never want to grieve the Holy Spirit. In fact, Scripture tells us that. And so I want to encourage you, maybe, maybe today uh, you need to say, okay, I'm actually going to follow through on something that I, I know I need to do. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been just showing that in your heart. I would encourage you, maybe today is the day you're, you're done waiting, you're going to receive power, and you're going to go. Just listen to him and trust him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that Jesus spoke very clearly of the Holy Spirit and teaches us what it means to live in him and trust him for everything that we are. And I pray, God, today for all of us in here that we will trust you with our lives and that you will 
Fill us up with your spirit as we wait for you, that we might receive power, that we might receive your direction, that we might receive your leadership in our life, and then we will go and be witnesses to those with whom we live, work, and play. God, we love you. We trust you to do all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.